expecting that everyone can learn by experience and um, just kind of throwing them into the fire <laughs> in certain times because that may be how I learn best, but it's not how everyone learns best. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. My guest today is Emily O'Connor, CEO of Content Writers. Content Writers was founded in 2015 by a serial entrepreneur and his friend who is an attorney. Emily joined Content Writers as, as employee number three in 2015, First, developing the writer recruitment and vetting process as director of writers, then facilitating content strategy execution for clients as director of content success in 2017. With grit, determination, and hard work, she was promoted to the CEO role later that year and has been leading the company to even greater heights ever since. Emily graduated from McGill University in 2012 with a BA in International Development Studies and minors in Anthropology and Spanish. Following graduation, she went from working in the service industry to taking on sales and customer support at a SaaS startup in Montreal. She soon went back to her editorial roots and freelanced as a content writer, social media manager, and SEO strategist, working with businesses to increase their web traffic and drive lead generation. Emily, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, it's really nice to have you. Um, and I want to go into, have you go into some more detail. You're a really young CEO who is not your typical founder that made themselves the CEO. So yep. if you could start by telling us about your journey from the time you got out of school in a little bit more detail and how you ended up where you ended up here currently. Great. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so right out of college, I joined a project management startup they have a SaaS platform where it's meant to help project managers do their job better. Um, so it's think like Asana or Jira, but not that. Um, so this was in Montreal. I went to McGill University and um, I had once I had graduated, that, that's the company I joined. Um, I did a lot of demos. I did a lot of sales calls. I learned how to use Salesforce. Um, and then I got laid off. Um, so about eight months into the job, uh, they decided that the way they were doing sales and customer service wasn't working. Uh, they weren't really selling anything. I don't know if that was my fault or not, but in any case, um, I was left without a job. And um, normally I would have gone back to the service industry and, um, you know, in this in-between time or just in general, um, but I was living in Montreal and I did not speak French. So um, you can't really be in the service industry in Montreal and not speak French. Um, so I, I, you know, did some personal inventory. What are my skills? What else can I do? I want to stay here, um, but I need some income right now. Um, and writing came to mind. So I became a freelancer. I created a profile on Odesk, um, which is, I believe, now Upwork. And um, 
Yep. And uh, so I started uh, finding jobs there and uh, getting some some work that way. Found a company called Content Writers, um, put my resume in there, um, which it actually led me to another job, which was not Content Writers, but was part of the same group. So I worked there for two years. Um, I learned more about, uh, I, I wrote more, but over time I became more in the SEO portion. So I was doing keyword research. I was uh, managing also social media accounts and um, just a bunch of different things related to content management. And um, then at some point, uh, the founder of Content Writers actually said, okay, so now Content Writers, which you submitted your resume to a while ago, is becoming like, we're starting to hire people there. We want to grow the company. It's in New York. I was now in New Jersey at that point. So it was closer to where I was living. Um, and it just all made sense with my, what I was doing and my skills. Um, so I just started at Content Writers. And uh, as you said, I was the director of writers. So that was a position that the founders created to help build the network. Uh, we're a content marketing platform and, um, and network really of writers and agency. Um, so having a network of very good vetted writers is a key part of our solution. Um, but when I first started, that was, um, you know, kind of mission one is, okay, let's, let's get some writers. Let's make sure that we have a process for evaluating writers. Um, and then over time, yeah, I took on more and more work and, um, be, uh, eventually was promoted into the CEO position. Okay. So you said a lot of things there I want to ask you about. And, and, and first of all, you know, how does you said, gosh, I think I want to write, says the says, you know, the woman with the, a degree in international development, anthropology and Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and you talk about vetting writers. So who vetted you and, and what made you think that you could be a writer? Yeah. Who vetted me? Um, well, I guess I would say my professors really at McGill, um, like definitely in that process, in that degree, it was an arts degree. There was a lot of writing, a lot of, um, analysis and, and long hung papers, long nights at the library. Um, and, uh, you know, they gave a lot of feedback and uh, I remember one particular professor at some point, uh, complimenting my work and, and, you know, she kind of took me aside and something to the effect of, there's really something here, like, you know, you're, you're really could go have a career in anthropology. This was, um, based on your writing skills and composition and, and whatnot. And, um, I thought that was great. Uh, I also knew you needed to get a master's to get anywhere there. And that wasn't mm -hmm. in my immediate next steps. Uh, so I thought more, maybe I'll be a writer. Cool. <laughs> so you're now at 20 full-time employees. Um, yep. got about a thousand, um, freelance writers and about 50 freelance editors. How many full-time employees were there when you were promoted to CEO four years ago, four and a half years ago? Um, yeah. And what do you think it was about you that, that had this, your, this entrepreneur move you into this role? Somebody with no experience. Yeah, all fair. Um, I believe we had four people at that point, okay. um, me being five. Um, okay. And, you know, I, I, I think <laughs> it's hard to say. I would say I, I take on the work, you know, I, I'm not afraid to, uh, to speak up when I think there, there's something that could be done differently or better. Uh, and then not only will I, I speak up with a problem, I'll find the solution and I'll follow through, mm -hmm. which is very, 
basic, you know, but I, I think I would say I'm, I'm an executor. Um, and I also just, I, I work well with people. I'm not afraid of a challenge and there have been many, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it's really that grit part combined with some intelligence combined with some, just instincts as far as workflow and and also industry experience it's a good question i'd love to ask it uh to to my boss uh to, to the founder there mm -hmm. um and uh but yeah I, I would say a combination of those factors yeah that's interesting have you found at any time that you i mean has there been any kind of uh, leadership training or development offered to you have you asked for it have you felt that you needed it to help you be more successful? Yeah, well, so, so once I became the CEO, I was already, I had managed some interns and I was already the de facto sort of leader of the company. Um, you know, like we were working out of a WeWork. I handled things mm -hmm. like, did we pay our lease? Um, how many seats do we have? Do we have room for people? Do they have computers? Um, so anything from like the really basic like IT needs to like making sure that the lights were on and things right. like that. Um, and then to actually working with clients. Um, but did I actually get training to do these things? Not quite, you know, like um, a lot of, I would say more so mentoring, but not really about like, I'm more of someone who's, who just goes right for it, you know? So I would be solving these problems myself without really asking for help, which I've learned to do over time because that's not necessarily a scalable way of doing things. Right. Um, but at the time when we were so small, it was effective and that did make sense. Um, and that was a part of it, but I haven't had any specific leadership training. I have done a number of, you know, small courses on the side. I read, actually, I will say, um, I was given a lot of books. That's, this is maybe I'm not uh, giving enough to that because there were, um, a lot of books. Some of them are, are back here, but it's like, um, swim with the sharks or, uh, writing that works. Um, what other titles we have back here? Um, Oh yeah, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School—that was a big one for me. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of books. I would say reading um, real world experiences. <laughs> yeah, more so learning on the job. I would say, so, yeah, real world experiences. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so, so tell me a little bit. About, like, you, like I said, you, the, the the organization of freelance writers and editors has has grown exponentially. How do you vet your writers? Yeah, that's a huge part about what we do. Um, the hand selection of writers and vetting our network and having a curated network is really important for us. Um, so they do apply, most people apply, um, though for some clients who have very niche needs, we'll reach out to people directly. And uh, But even if we're reaching out to them, they still go through the vetting process. So it's a resume review, it is samples, reviewing their previous work, it's talking to them on the phone, making sure you know they are who they say they are, that, that we can t have a conversation and answer any questions they may have about working with us. We can set some expectations. Um, there's an English proficiency test. Um, you know, it's important, uh, all of our, the content that we write is uh, in English, and it's important, of course, to make sure we're working with native speakers um, or at people with a very high proficiency in English. Um, and then through, we also have them write something for us, so a specific sample. Um, so there's a lot of steps, um, and we do that to make sure that we're working with uh, really great writers. So 
it's obviously pri- the company's privately funded. Um, what are you, you know, from a full-time employee standpoint, you know, so many people who go to, to young startups do so for equity and where the company may go. What is the attraction here? Are they offering any kind of equity, you know, to the company where people can really hit it big maybe? Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, actually, at this time, we don't have an equity program in place, but we are working on it for right. this year. Um, so what's been really the pull up to this point, I think, is uh, having an impact. A lot of the people who work or everybody really who works at Content Writers, they come and they they want to have an impact. And they a lot of people love the idea of giving work to writers, bringing freelancers uh, opportunities to 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 have an impact themselves and to, to make income and then connecting them with clients and then having those businesses grow through the services, through the power of content. And then each individual person that works at content writers can have an impact on that because we're mm-hmm. so small. There's also definitely a pull toward a, a, you know quicker growth. A lot of people have um, leadership or management ambitions and being a small company, they, they know that um, as we grow, uh, they, uh, if they're early employees at a small company that plans to scale and grow, that more of those types of opportunities will open up. That's a big thing too. And we focus a lot on cultivation of that talent for our, our, our people, right? So we want to identify if that's someone's goal. We have to be very realistic about, you know, we may not be able to have a management position open up at a certain time. We can't say in mm-hmm. one year, you're this position, you know, but we can help you build the skills to get there. And we can be very specific about that, you know, so we have performance reviews where we try to find out what are your goals. And then we identify steps where we can help you get there. So it's not just, you know, how'd you do in this one through five, you know, it's more, where do you Mm want to go? And how can we help you get there? Um, And I think that type of environment is what a lot of people are are pulled to with content writers. Um, And we try to do that with our writers as well with the cultivation. Tell me about um, the hiring mistakes you've made and why you've made those and and what you've changed. Yeah. um, (laughs) Because everybody makes mistakes. So. Right. No, it's. Yep. For sure. Um, It's hard to say, like, you know what we do well now is easy to say and I should be doing more introspection to say, you know, what did really go wrong there? Or what are the common themes, you know, because to be fair, I I'm thinking about it and I'm like, how did those go wrong? And I don't know if it's more of the hiring or we haven't let someone go in a long time, but we definitely did have. um, And I think it was more in my earlier days as a CEO there were, were there were more people that we let go than lately. And I don't know if it's a combination of us being better at working with people, us being better at hiring, or us being, I don't know, more clear about our job mm-hmm. descriptions. Um, but definitely a clear job description mm-hmm. is important. You want to make sure that your interviews are half- explaining what your what the job is explaining why like what the company is selling the company and then also you know making sure the person's a good fit and has the skills and and expertise um and the and the drive and the willingness to grow um but yeah that's i'm trying to think i'm like what did go wrong and and i have to take it's got to be us like i feel like we 
you, you know, it's a, it's all a matter of making sure that you've explained your the the positions and that you're really finding mm-hmm. the right person, you know. Um, and maybe we just weren't asking the right questions or we weren't clear enough about our expectations up front. You know, I would say that's probably, those are two big things. Yeah. And, and it's always something about the company. It's not, it's not ever really the candidate that you've hired. It's something no. about your process <laughs> or your alignment or something that's not working the way it should be. Right. right? And it's hard, you know, you don't know these things when you're just starting oh, off, right. you know, it's a lot, or if no one, you know, tells you direct or right. even if people tell you, sometimes you just don't know until you really know and you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, things like 30, 60, 90 degree or 30, 60, 90 day uh, expectations mm-hmm. and following through on those mm-hmm. clear feedback in those mm-hmm. early days, um, you know, that that's really important because otherwise you just aren't on the same page or you may not be. If you don't know for sure you're on the same page, you better check. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, let's say for a minute that I wanted to hire content writers to start writing content for me. Paint me a picture. What does that process look like? Yeah, great. Um, So first, we try to evaluate um, whether you're a fit for our self-service side or our managed services side. And the differences are that self-service is more of a SaaS experience. You set up an account and then you input orders as needed um, in the platform. Whereas the managed service side is more of uh, you are set up an account manager, you have a monthly content strategy review where we discuss sort of what your plans are for the month, feedback on previous. So we're going to, you know, first evaluate um, what are your, what are you trying to produce? How often? um, What's the Mm -hmm. volume? What types of writers Mm -hmm. do you need? Um, And so First, like once we decide that, let's assume you're a managed services um, client, that, that that's the need for you. Which would be, I might add, the other would not be up my alley. Right. And that's really where we focus it, and where our revenue comes from the most is the managed services, because that's the high volume. You know, you're producing a lot of content. That means that we're going to be working with you more often. That means we're going to be getting more revenue from you and we're going to be spending more time with you. Um, and so with that, we do a kickoff call. Um, so you're set up with your account, your account manager. Pre the kickoff call, we set up an account in the system. So we have the platform where you're set up with, with an account. Um, any of your team members can be added as users. And we ask you to fill out a content brief. So our brief asks about um, what topics do you want to cover? Who's your target audience? What's your goal for this content? Do you have a tone, a style, like, you know, some of those things that we need to know to brief writers on how to write for you. Um, so we start there and then in the kickoff, we review that. So we'll say, like, we'll make sure that your account manager knows exactly what you're looking for. Um, they'll ask questions, they'll make recommendations, um, and then we start writing. Um, but it's not as simple as that <laughs> because there's often there's like kind of a calibration phase. Um, because we'll pick writers. So we hand select the writers. Our clients are not typically involved in that process, but they can be if they want. But usually with our experience with the network and our understanding of who we've got and what their strengths are, we'll pick. We'll base it off of expertise and what you need. So what industry are you in? What? How do you want to speak? What's your tone? Um, and then with that, 
we'll assign and we'll get them started. But sometimes we don't make the best pairing. You know, sometimes what we thought would be the right fit isn't. And so there's that calibration phase to get feedback, to hear what your thoughts are. You can ask for revisions. And then it's usually like over the first month that we go through a good bit of that while we're getting to know you. And then, you know, we scale from there kind of thing. Well, and you, and you want to know, you know, what the person's voice is, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that takes that to learn that as well. Yep. Um, you're in a pretty competitive business, yeah? Yes. So tell me about the the competitive nature of the business. Yes. So and what and what you're doing to you know distinguish yourself as someone different, right? So. We're competing with companies like content writers, so other platforms and marketplaces. We're competing with agencies that work maybe a little bit more custom, more closely with their clients. We're kind of an in-between, but we're also competing with internal writers. We're competing with freelancers, you know, because there's some companies that want to hire directly, um, but could maybe do even better if they hired a company like content writers, but there's a status quo there. You know, they're they're just used to having the the writer right next to them, or uh, you know, just right there. And with that industry, that internal knowledge, that they don't feel comfortable, like they don't think that an external can can do the same. Um, and even yeah, or some companies think they want to manage their own group of freelancers. Um, but what we do to try to differentiate ourselves from all of those options, whether it's a competitor that looks a little bit more like us, or if it's something as different as in-house is we just try to really make things efficient. So we try to show that we can save you so much more time than hiring people, managing people. We can also provide a lot more flexibility than just having Mm -hmm. those three or four people that you hired and expecting them to do it all. Um, We have people who can be great at white papers. We can have people who can be great at product descriptions. That can, if you're an agency, that can speak to all the different uh, industries and audiences of your clients. So we we really differentiate by, you know, the adding more efficiency, the hand selection of writers, um, the scalability that we offer, and um, we are always building our platform and and making it. Uh, we we really build our platform based on client feedback and um, by input from our clients. So we try to make sure that we're differentiated from others. I have seen others. There are some good ones out there, but there are a lot that just aren't a great experience. So we want our experience to be the best so that it's not only efficient, but it's pleasant. You know, like you don't go into content writers and you're, you know, can't find anything or you don't like, it's just an unpleasant experience. You know, we've all had those in, in SaaS platforms. Um, Cause even for our managed services, it's a, it's a hybrid. You're always using the platform in some way, but we want to make that way good. You know, we want to make it so you're not dreading that part that it's actually makes sense for you, but you still have that point of contact you can call and, you know, speak with. And uh, Emily, how do you find your prospects or do they find you? It's a combination. We, um, we have a sales team and, um, we do a lot of outbound. Um, we have a tr- pretty traditional SDR and account executive type of setup. Um, but we also do a lot of our own marketing. Um, we do pay-per-click. Um, so we have PPC ads running um, on Google and Bing and some Facebook retargeting. Um, and then we also have our own content marketing strategy with our blog and our LinkedIn and other social platforms. What does the sales cycle tend to look like? 
It, it varies uh, depending on inbound and outbound where it, if a client's coming to us, you know, they're more ready to buy. It might be more of like a 30 day type of scenario. Right. Um, but if we're going outbound and we are, especially if we're going outbound and the company uses in-house writers to start, that is like the longest sales cycle because it's sort of a bit of uh, re-education and, and showing value to someone who really just has no idea what it would be like to work with an external writing company. Um, so yeah, it can be anywhere from like 30 to 90 days, I would say. Um, and we have a nice process, I think, where we um, do introductory calls, we show a proposal, we'll show a demo if, if you'd like to see, you know, inside a little bit more, we'll show samples and things like that. So um, it, yeah, it's, it, that's kind of how that looks. What are the biggest challenges you're facing um, within your industry? Yeah, I mean, the competition is real, you know, <laughs> and that's also competition for writers, right? Um, because the, the, they, yeah. and content marketing has done really well with uh, COVID and the pandemic and, and things like that. And it's it's okay. been great uh, as far as the market over the past couple years. And that also is a great thing for freelancers working with clients directly, um, or, you know, so there's, there's a lot of competition. There's competition for talent as well, um, on both the writing side and, and just, you know, employees. So, so are, is talent finding you or are you actually going out and, and finding people you want to come have work for you? Uh, for employees or writers? Well, both actually. Yeah. And with, I mean, the answer is probably same, similar for both, uh, for, for, uh, empl for like internal employees, we, uh, we post our jobs on LinkedIn mostly um, and a couple other places mm -hmm. like Indeed. And we try to find some DEI mm -hmm. boards and, and other areas. Um, but we're more so, uh, they apply, you know, but but we're putting out the jobs. Um, and it's less like, you know, we don't get a ton of people coming to our info at or, you know, like, I want to work there. But if you're out there and you do, like, definitely reach out to us because we are hiring for a couple positions. Um, and then for, for writing talent, they really come to us more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, right. And that's great. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I would I would think that somebody who's a freelancer, you know, who's looking for work is going to go find places where they can find work. Right. Right. And we just so we yeah. our task is to be the one that they prioritize, you know, to to mm -hmm. make it so easy and pleasant for them to work with us that that we're the place that they want to take the assignments from, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, I, I always refer to uh, job postings as the post and pray method of finding people um, because that's really what you do. You post and you pray yeah. and, and really who are, the, who are the people that are seeing those ads, people who are looking for a job. So I'm curious as to you know, why you might not have considered going out and actually hunting people down because those are the people that don't know who you are, that aren't looking for a job, but they might be open to hearing given the right, you know, presentation, right? Yeah, you're so right. And it's something that I have considered. Um, it's more of a, it started as a time thing, I would say, um, you know, where you're like, oh, that's just going to take that much more time to build those relationships and to reach out to those people. Mm -hmm. And if they're not even looking like, you know, and there, there is something in the back of my head that's, you know, if someone applies, they're actively showing that intention, you know, that and like, you know, does that mean that that they're more engaged as someone who may be more like convinced into the role, you know, if you look at it that way. Um, but I, 
definitely like I used to keep a list of people that I've worked with, like in, as, as a buyer and in other places, like, like, you know, if I'm looking for software or, or, you know, if I have an account manager somewhere, um, who I might hire in the future, you know, who I just had a great experience with and thought could be wonderful at content writers. Um, and that is something you're definitely inspiring me that I, I think that we need to keep that, that up. And I recently, um, brought on a director of people operations. Um, so she is great and she's been handling more of our recruitment process and, um, you know, having someone dedicated to that, we may have, it may be something we can bring back now. You know, it's definitely something that hasn't been top Mm -hmm. of mind for me that had to, to reach people directly. Yeah. Very good. So what are some of the mistakes in your, you know, moving up the food chain or as you became a CEO, uh, some of the mistakes that you've made and why did you, why do you believe you made them? And then what have you done to correct them? Yeah. I mean, thinking I could do it all, (laughs) uh, you know, like I, I think a big part of, uh, why I was, uh, promoted into the position is that I, I was able to do many things. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm interested in, in many different areas and, and I work in many different areas, but I can't do it all. <laughs> um, if we want to grow as a, as a company, um, there needs to be people who are trained and, and can take on tasks and are given trust and, and accountability and things like that to take on tasks. So I think, um, delegation wasn't my strong suit at the beginning. Um, and I'm learning more how to do that. And I think a mistake I've mm-hmm. made is also um, expecting that everyone can learn by experience and um, just kind mm-hmm. of throwing them into the fire <laughs> in certain times uh, because that may be how I learn best, but it's not how everyone mm-hmm. learns best. Um, and so yeah. that's something that I've been trying to focus on more is is doing more of that uh, training, you know, and, and giving people more um, background and, and, you know, just – a little bit more support, not not to say that we are not a supportive company because we for sure are, but I think me personally, um, I may not have always given as much as I could have. And um, it's really that training mm-hmm. kind of just, again, because that's how I learn is, is being thrown into it, but it's just not the same for everyone. And, and that's totally valid. You know, it's not also not fair for a manager to say, oh, well, they can't do it. You know, if they weren't given the, the right, uh, you know, resources to do it. So what would you say is the most outdated advice in your industry? Um, cheaper is better or faster is better. (laughs) Um, and I don't know that anyone's actually saying that, but they are thinking it or, or at least, or at least like, there is, I don't know that there's, okay, maybe that's an unfair, that's not necessarily advice, but okay. a lot of people wonder why we can't charge the same rates as, um, there, there's just a big range in rates in our industry and okay. um, our rates are sometimes among more of the premium, but we try to keep our writers engaged. We try to make sure that our writers are able to make a living mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that doesn't come from charging like two cents a word. So, well, let's talk a little bit about about how you pay and how you charge since you just brought that up. I think that's a that's a good uh, it's something I'd like to learn a little bit more about. Um, you, you know, what is what is I don't even know if you can say what is an average article, you know, average piece of content going to cost someone? And does it depend on the type of content? 
And does it depend on how many pieces you're producing for any one company at, at you know, a month? Yep. Yeah. So it, it primarily depends on uh, the type of content and the length. So we charge per piece, um, but by range, because we don't want the writer to think, not that many yes. writers would do this, but, you know, like I'm going to fluff it up because I'll get paid more. Um, and we also don't think like, you know, that that writing great content means a really specific word count, you know, so we want to give a range and then we we charge based on, you know, blog posts, a thousand to fifteen hundred words. And that's a different price than a white paper that's maybe the same length because we consider white papers right. to be more of a research piece that's going to take more time. Um, so mm -hmm. that that's um, kind of the difference. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, looking where you were at, you know, even when you got the promotion to CEO at just, you know, what, five employees, four plus you, and now at, you know, four times that, um, you know, four years later, what would you say it makes you the most proud of that growth and how you've done that and what you've been able to accomplish company? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really proud at, uh, proud about, proud of, um, <laughs> how far the team has come. There, there's a few people that, um, have been with us, uh, since around that time and we've really grown together. And sometimes I just step back, like after having a conversation with someone, maybe a one-on-one -on -one, or if they're doing a presentation to the group or something like that, um, and I just think like, wow, this person has really grown. Like, this is awesome. They have mm -hmm. so grown in their career and in their uh, presence and in their their just professional development overall. Um, I'm really proud of that. Um, I'm proud of our platform. It's been uh, just to see, to think about where it was four years ago and what it looks like now. And we've done what we've done with not a ton of developers. So, um, you know, I think that we're really efficient as a company. Uh, we focus a lot on process, having workflows, having documented, uh, you know, everything's documented as much as possible, which is another mistake we've made and learned from. And now we document <laughs> and workflow too. You know, we, you don't know that you need a process for something until you have four people doing it differently and you're trying to collaborate between them. You know, something like um, you've got a new client and sales is passing that client over to customer service, content success, we call it. Right. And there's three different salespeople doing it all different ways. And they don't know, like, you know, no one's sharing the same information. And so we build a process, you know, like, okay, how do we document that information and how do we pass that along to in the same uniform way so that the cu customer success people know what to expect and know how to work with their clients and the clients set up for success. There's continuity in what happened between sales and, and success or service. Um, so th those are big things for us. And, and, um, yeah, I, I, I think that was, that's a big one. Okay. So you've, you've sort of talked a little bit about your culture without actually talking about culture. So let's look at that specifically. Tell me a little bit about how you define your culture and what makes it unique. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I was listening to one of your podcasts last night and, um, I was uh -huh. hearing people first a lot. And, um, I was like, you know, that's one of our values too. And I know it's kind of like a buzzword that, 
um, gets maybe overused, but um, I'm going to use it too because <laughs> we are. Um, and I would say, yeah, could, our values are people first, efficiency, cultivation. Um, we try to be passionate. I think there's one that I'm missing, but it, in any case, our, our, we're, we share we share a culture of shared values, um, and it really starts with respecting each other, caring about a job well done. Um, and, and just cultivating each other, our relationships with our internal team, with our clients, with our writers. Um, so it's very relationship-based, I think. Um, it's very focused on quality and a job well done. Um, but also it's, it's, it leaves openness for inquiry, for um, you know, asking questions, knowing what you don't know, being comfortable with that. Um, and you know, we, we, we're remote. Uh, we do a lot of Slack chats. Uh, we have weekly one-on-ones. Um, we tried it. We just did our, uh, we have an annual summit. So we do like, uh, it would used to be in person, but now it's virtual um, where I, I will share like, you know, how did we do? Uh, what are we up? Mm-hmm. What are we doing ne- this year? What are our goals? Where are we headed? And then each department gets to talk a little bit to the whole company, you know, about what they're up to as well. Um, so we try to collaborate a lot and we try to make sure there's transparency and sharing of information. With only 20 employees, I imagine you've probably only got like two levels of management, you and then the management level below you and those who report to them. Is that correct? Um, yeah. In in some cases, actually, there's another level. Um, so we've got me, um, a set of directors uh, for each of our primary departments. And then there are two, uh, I believe, yeah, two other people that also manage people. Um, so our SDR, um, so we, in the sales department, it's full cycle sell sales people and then SDRs and the SDRs have a separate manager than the full cycle people. Um, and then that manager is a player coach role. Um, so he Mm -hmm. manages those people, um, but also is a full Mm -hmm. cycle salesperson himself, which we know the player coach role is controversial um hard but and hard yes but uh we we do have that in in a lot of places uh currently um and then we have another person who manages like uh two coordinators um on the content side Mm -hmm. so people who work with Mm -hmm. um our writers and our and our editors um and it's it's more of a part-time role so it's uh Mm -hmm. it's a different management experience as well yeah how many direct reports do you have emily I have five. Those directors that are reporting. Okay, good. Which is a good number. You know, and and certainly when you talk about the, the player coach role being controversial, it's not out of the norm with small companies. Right. Right. It feels and, there's a necessity sort of for that. Right. I mean, if, if you look over the next three to five years with the organization, you know, what does that growth look like? Yeah. From 20 full-time employees, is that where you're going to stay? Are you looking to grow that? Because that's, you know, that would more likely be with more employees, the player coach would just be the coach, not the player. Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. The, we're, we're kind of figuring out where that uh, threshold is, you know, and, and I think we're getting closer to it. Um, so that, right. that would be definitely the next frontier. Um, and we're actually working with um, some people in that type of role to, to get that um, player, some of the player responsibilities off of their plates and um, trying to hire people that can take those on. It's a tough problem though, because you're hiring people, you think you have increased capacity, but you actually have the same capacity because you're putting the, you're taking some responsibilities off of someone else and putting them onto this new person. And then that new, that 
the manager is now doing more management. So granted, you have more capacity, but not as much. Like there's sort of that that transition point where, um, you know, if you're taking those responsibilities from the manager, um, those day-to-day things and putting them onto a new person, then that new person, you know, isn't able to take on as many new things. Because um, I'm talking like taking on new clients and, and uh, client relationships as an account manager, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so we definitely plan on um, continuing to, to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And like the first frontier will be hiring more individual contributors um, and then as our managers are managing more people, they should be, become just full coaches, you know, full managers, leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it, within each department, there's different needs for, for different sub-managers that will continue to, to, to happen, I think. So we're, we're definitely kind of following that type of, of uh, growth. So uh, if you look over the next year throughout the rest of this year, since we're just, you know, basically two months into the year, two and a half months in, um, you know, where do you see investing or, or what kind of resources are you planning on investing in throughout the rest of 2022? Yeah. Hiring full-time people, you know, more, more, um, more freelancers. What does that look like? Technology, whatever that might be. All of the above. Um, but a big focus on technology, um, so both uh, to improve our own platform, um, you know, I've been talking about that a little bit, but, uh, one big area for us is, uh, SEO. So, Content mm-hmm. supports SEO, but there is a whole other, like, it, it's not just content is SEO, you know, but they are Kidding. so connected. <laughs> and um, so so we want to invest more in our SEO capabilities, um, which is going to take uh, integrations in our platform and working with other tools, uh, maybe building our own. So we're looking into what direction we want to go in that route, but that will be an area we're investing in this year. Uh, we're also interested mm-hmm. in exploring artificial intelligence and how we can use it more um, in our, our, our services. And that can be really anything from making tasks more efficient with some automation to uh, helping the writers write their content with um, AI. And yeah, we're always growing our platform. So we'll be in continuing to invest or sorry, growing our network. So we'll be continuing to invest in um, hiring more writers, vetting those writers, uh, we're hiring more account managers and salespeople right now, um, and I think the account management team will definitely need to grow. Um, we've, we're bringing on new accounts every month, um, you know, and we have a high retention rate. So, um, you know, as with more clients, we're going to need uh, more account managers to work with those, uh, mm-hmm. manage those relationships. Good. And, and that was going to be one of my other questions as, is what is your retention or your churn? It's really high, especially in our managed services. Um, with this self-service, it's harder to gauge because we have no real commitment on that. Yeah. And uh, so, that you know, you can order one piece a year or you can order 12 pieces a month or however quantity right. really you need. So, um, but yeah, they're high. Yeah. What's the percentage of... Uh, um, customers that are using managed servers versus uh, self-service? So the self-service is about 10% of our revenue, but uh, okay. the the volume is uh, of, of companies is, uh, it's like 10x, I think. But it, there's just a lower revenue per account. So there, there's mo- more volume, uh, but, but lower revenue, yep. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, so, so can you, can you give me a client success story that you're proud of? Yeah. 
that you can just, I know it's, I know it's a last minute question, but. No, definitely. Um, so we work with uh, one company called American Addiction Centers. Um, I okay, particularly yeah. like working th with this company because they run a network of recovery centers around the country uh, for people struggling with substance abuse issues. And um, that's a, you know, cause and an issue near and dear to my heart for, for personal reasons within my family. So I just love working with that company in general for, for their mission and what they're doing. Um, but they also have an, an incredibly successful SEO strategy that's powered by long form content, primarily written by content writers. And so we have a curated network of bylined writers for them. So people who have um, expertise in the substance use treat and treatment right. world who can write with authority mm -hmm. on the topics. They're really well researched. Right. So it's like great content, you know, really good, really it's, it's the latest information and it's super accurate and that's really important for them. And it performs well. They have a network of websites um, they're all long form, like I said, and, um, basically they, they rank really high for a lot of the key terms in the industry. And, um, through that, they have people calling for help and, and going to get treatment mm -hmm. with that type of content. So I like that because it's, it's a great opportunity for content writers. We, we write a lot of content for them, which means, you know, a lot of business for us. And then um, it works really well for them. So it's a, you know, mutually beneficial relationship there. And then there's that added bonus of it having, you know, a mission of actually helping people. Right. Uh, so a couple last, couple final questions. One, what do you uh, do on your free time? How do you spend your free time? <laughs> yes. Um, well, a lot of, the, I mean, yeah. I, well, I live in Queens, New York, um, where it's a great, I live in Ridgewood specifically, and it's a great little neighborhood where there's a lot of nice restaurants and like places to eat and drink essentially. And, and then there's a lot of nice little grocery stores and butchers and stuff like that. So love to just walk around the neighborhood and hang out. Um, and I'm trying to travel a bit more. I like to travel and, and, um, you know, get, get sort of out of my environment and, and get to see others. So whether that's, um, you know, usually ideally outside of the U S um, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do yoga. Like I, I, I took a training um, and I only did like one class, but I only ever taught one class, but I um, right. do it a lot myself. Like in the mornings, it helps me stay centered, which has become a little bit cliche, but I, <laughs> it, I love it. And um, yeah, I do it every morning. Okay. So if somebody listening to this interview says, oh, I'd like to maybe be an employee or a writer for content writers. Uh, how should they contact you or who, who would they contact? What do they do? Yeah. Um, well, my LinkedIn is great. Um, so, uh, maybe we can share that, I don't know, with the podcast or something. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, so my, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach out to us on our website. If you are looking to be a writer, there is an application on our site. So you just go to contentwriters.com and scroll all the way down to the footer and see writer sign up. There's also an editor sign up. So if you're more of an editor than a writer, we'd love to have you as well. Um, and if you're looking Great. for a full-time position, um, we do have a careers at contentwriters.com as well. So feel free to reach out to us there. And it's um, our director of people operations will likely be responding to those inquiries. Um, but I'm always you know, more than happy to, to connect with people who are interested in content writers. Content writers. <laughs> 
Well, great. Well, Emily O'Connor, CEO of Content Writers, this has been a really nice conversation and I really want to thank you for your generosity and your time. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, Carol. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.